Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins, and today I'm here with Chandler Vinoy. Hey, hey. And a friend, Jay Cranda, and you probably have never heard of Jay. However, <laughs> goodness gracious, uh, he is, uh, I'm trying to think what title, like people, okay, so everybody's doing online church now. This is one of the founding fathers of it, kind of. <laughs> I know that, that sounds really weird because he's not that old and it's not that old. But Jay Cranda is over the online ministries at, um, at, at Saddleback Church. And so he, uh, I have almost traveled with him twice to places that we're not supposed to talk about, to train people that we're not supposed to talk about on how to do uh, online uh, church and ministry and social media and um, build personas of different types of people groups and so on and so forth. So let's just say uh, he really, really, really knows his stuff when it comes to online church, building online communities, uh, building online groups, you name it. Uh, he's done it. Now I have also traveled with Chandler, our co-host, and we like to throw things off very tall precipices. That is true. That is not a lie. If you uh, DM me on Twitter and I'll send you a link. All right. Hey, but we're not supposed to talk about that either. So you've talked about a lot of stuff you're not supposed to talk about. I know. (laughs) This is our fourth, count them, fourth podcast recording of the day. It is a new record. It is the afternoon I am semi-caffeinated, so man, I make I I I have no filter at all right now. <laughs> it should be a good one. Well, I'm, gl- I'm glad I'm the, I, I'm glad I'm the fourth. So that's good. So th- it should be the loosest. I like it. <laughs> exactly. All right, uh, Jay. Is there anything else you would like to share about yourself or um, or what you do? No, I, I, yeah, I've just been, I mean, I like that the the founding father, one of, one of the founding fathers is good. I'm kind of curious which one I would be. Um, so, <laughs> and so, um, but, uh, but no, I live in California, got kids and we're just surviving like everybody else. So thanks for having me on. Yeah. You're actually about to add that to your bio, aren't you? Founding father yes. of online church. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that's a title you can, you can say about yourself. Other people have to say, I feel like I don't, I don't, I, I don't imagine Washington went around saying like, I'm, I'm the, you know, I'm the founding father. I don't, you know, he, I mean, he was probably a little bit more boring than we think, but yeah. Anyways, let's keep going. That's true. Well, Jay, we're excited to have you on today and, and learn about, you know, what you've learned over the past about online church and what you're learning even now during this craziness. So for, for those who don't know, I mean, a lot of people have heard of Saddleback Church, but give us just a little bit of an overview. And uh, for those who may not be too familiar with it, what is what does a normal Sunday service look like at um, Saddleback before COVID? And what does it look like kind of after that as well? Yeah. So, you know, our church has been, you know, we're, we're over 40 years old. Our pastor, uh, Pastor Rick Warren has uh, planted the church um, in the eighties and, you know, we're here in Southern California and, you know, we have about 18 campuses, um, four international, and then the rest are local to Southern California. And on an average weekend, you know, we might have anywhere between uh, probably at least 20,000 plus in person 
And the online ministry has been, you know, really Saddleback had was streaming well before I was there, but it was behind a wall. It was, you know, it was something you only could access if you were a member of Saddleback. And then when they started to experiment a little bit more with streaming, they, they wanted to offer ways for people to not just watch the stream, but actually do church. And, you know, 10 years ago, that was, I think, it was a big question. Some of this is a little bit easier and some of it is still a little vague to be honest. Um, you know, we really want to empower people online and engage them and reach them, but also connect them to local experiences. So a lot of what I've been doing and our, our church has been doing is trying to slowly figure that out. And so we, we had the luxury pre COVID to kind of have a lot of years doing that, you know, and now with COVID, even now stuff is, is changing because we have gone all digital with our services and we probably will for, for a while. Um, and only the things that are happening in person are like food bank type of initiatives. Um, and I think post COVID we're trying to figure out a lot of the conversation is around what, what is the role of digital because, um, with our church, because inherently, especially with a multi-site strategy, digital is non-geographical and, essentially the online campus in a way competes with all the other campuses. <laughs> and so we're trying to figure out how, what's the right way to structure this. And something I love about my church um, is that we are always evolving. And, and so, which it can be both exciting and scary, like a roller coaster. And so I think we're in the midst of trying to like ask some of these big questions. So we're kind of in the place of a lot of churches, but we have, we have more experience than probably the average for sure. Yeah. So there's, I mean, you referenced it. Everybody is now, for you all, you got a, you had a nice ramp up to this season because you guys were already doing online church. So you learned along the way. A lot of other churches, it was like instantly in one week, we've got to get online and figure it out on the go. So you, you have a lot more experience. Can you kind of get in to the nuts and bolts of what exactly does a online service look like at Saddleback? How, how are you making sure it's not just I, I can, you know, just stream it and be gone, but I actually connect with community because a lot of people, they're trying to wrestle with that right now as well. So yeah. what, what does your service look like? And, you know, where are the ways you're even trying to innovate there as well? Yeah. So I, right now in this, in this season, you know, first off, I want to say that I, you know, I benefit from a lot of talented people that produce a lot of things, you know, and really I serve in a role of making sure that, when people respond that I get them into community. So I kind of serve as the, you know, the pastor of, of making sure that there's something we're connecting them to. So the product online, like our, our primarily our worship team has done a great job of producing content that looks like it's created for online. And so I, I think one thing that is both a, an advantage and a disadvantage is that when you have a building, you're recording from that building, but you know, I think it comes off on video that it looks empty and that feeling translates to the screen. And, and again, that's an advantage, you know, to have a building, to have a space and even churches, you know, you might, a pastor might go and I wish I had a building, you know, my school, I can't meet there anymore. Um, but like, I think something that our teams have done really well is that they, you know, they're like, they're, they're recording things in homes, our worship team, they're editing, like whoever is, whoever the multiple people that are editing our worship services, I mean, kudos to them. I don't know their final cut Adobe premiere skills, but they are out it, it's really good. And so they're making it, they'll look like it's native. I, I always think of the difference between, you know, if I take the top YouTuber, you know, if I take somebody like a, let's say, um, do perfect. And I look at a show that they do and I compare it to something produced on Fox news or CNN, there's, they're drastically look different in how they talk to the audiences. Um, one is produced 
and kind of set it, forget it. The other is like produced. It looks high quality. It typically looks more casual. And then they do things during the show like, hey, you know, you know, leave your comment, engage. We're going to pin this, do this. And they see it as something that's more of living on past. And so I think right now what our team has done really well is that they've they've adapted what they what they've done for an online audience, meaning the recording in homes, even something simple. They started to record our pastor outside, which, again, difficulty goes up because you have to do a bunch of stuff to do that well. But like people were stuck in inside and, you know, our pastor is really smart and said, you know, I think we need to be outside so people can kind of feel like there's something more. And it's not just in a dead building um, with no activity. Um, and then they've done well in just in how they capture it in the pre and the post to kind of talk to that audience and make it feel like, hey, we, we want to engage with you. The, the other thing that has been a big shift, at least on the stream, is we've started to capitalize more on how to respond to people. Because one thing that people don't think about, like one of the most popular platforms that churches use is the church online platform, which actually they just, they are released. Yeah. Chop, chop. Yeah. Chop for short. Whenever I tweet chop, nobody knows what I'm talking about, but those who do under get it, but they, they just released a version four, which is really mobile friendly. And it's an amazing experience. But a lot of people think about this, like, this experience of in the screen, but they don't realize most people are watching full screen. And so something we've had to shift towards is like text response in the service which has been huge because like a simple thing like this, people don't think about if you have like a form on your page or if you have text on your page for people to respond, what happens is only one person on that page can fill that out. And then you have to reload the page to fill out the form again, where text response or some kind of other call to action that's phone dependent. Now everybody in the home can respond without having to reload things. And I think those are learnings we've really leaned into like tech. Now the, the drawback of text response is international because those five digit numbers really don't work for people outside of the country. Um, so that's another thing. If your audience is broader, you have to, you kind of have to think through, but those are some of the things that they've done. Our, our production team, our video team, everybody has done well and at least making it fine tuning. And we're still learning, you know, you know, how to take it to the next level. Cause it does take a lot of work. And I, and I've seen a lot of churches started to think through as we meet back in person, you know, are we going to, you know, capture an event in a building? Or are we going to still produce something solely for online, which obviously takes resources and all sorts of stuff. I will say, I, I do like that you brought up, uh, YouTube and, and YouTubers. I, man, I just think that it's really interesting because if you look at, uh, like Graham Stephan. So Graham Stephan, he's got his channel and then he's got the Graham Stephan show. Mm -hmm. um, between those two, he's got over 3 million subscribers, which is insane. If you go back and look, you can see everything. I mean, he actually, you know, shows you how he does what he does. This is the camera I bought. This is how, this is how much all this stuff costs, um, which is not much. <laughs> um, but it's the creativity uh, and it is the thought and intentionality that goes behind it. So what I want people to understand is when you hear some of these uh, things about resources and different things, don't think you have to be a large church in order to do something well. You just need to be intentional and you need to be smart about, you know, who you're asking to help you. Um because I'm sure there's plenty of people that have called and, you know, offered to help you that, uh, that may way overcharge you. It's not, <laughs> you don't have to break the bank. You just have to be intentional and a little creative 
And, you know, like that guy, he, he it's his garage. And yeah. he makes millions and millions of dollars a year on YouTube videos that are shot in his garage by himself, edited by himself. Hmm. So it's just, it's crazy to think, okay, you don't, you don't have to be a whiz kid. Um, you probably already have one of those in your church. It's called anybody under 20. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, I just had to add those caveats quickly. Well, Jay, you mentioned this a little bit, the, the tension of when we go back to in-person gatherings, what is, what are we going to do? Are we going to continue to have a pre-recorded online service that the quality is excellent or are we just going to live stream our actual service? So first off, you know, kind of take us through what you guys are processing in that. But then also let's, let's zoom out just a little bit and, and kind of say, what do we, what do you think the church will look like for the next few years and how online church is going to play into that? Yeah. So I, I, first off, I, I would say that I'm really excited, obviously, as an online pastor and he's been, you know, in my role for like eight years. And it's especially not something that when I started, you know, it wasn't a job people were, I would say, trying to get. (laughs) And so uh, and even I was actually in seminary at the time. And I remember asking some of my professors and they were like kind of looked at me with like, what does that look what? That's not even that, you know, they just saw heresy immediately, uh, which, again, that's great. Um, you know, I get it. You know, I, my, the joke I always have with, you know, that type of, you know, generally with the church, one of the, one of the struggles is always, is that one of our greatest strengths is also one of our greatest weaknesses. And it's that we preserve well, you know, our orthodoxy is great, uh, for preserving the faith, but it's also with technology, you have to be more nimble, which is ultimately, you know, moves more frequently. So it's also, it's a, it's a double ed. Uh, kind of sword type of situation with some of these things. And so I think, um, I think I'm excited about the future that church is actually understanding that you can use, you know, things like YouTube, Facebook, um, stream, all sorts of things to be proactively going to people. You no longer have to wait for people to come in your doors and just wait for your members to share their faith, which I think are two, which, you know, obviously personal evangelism is a primary tool, I think, to charge things. But I do think that leadership can be proactive in how they represent themselves to the community. Um, Now, the tough part is to do this well, and you kind of hit on this, um, is you have to you have to create native content for some of these platforms. And so like a a great example of this, that's just kind of and and I, I think that there are good versions of this and there's bad versions, but like there's a bunch of churches that jumped on Instagram streaming because of uh, there's a couple of platforms like yellow duck TV, I think is one of them that they allowed you to stream to Instagram. And, but, but if you're just streaming to Instagram and you have like a, you know, a landscape mode with black, you know, borders, and it's just this little picture and it looks like old school picture in picture. Um, that's not a good experience for Instagram streaming with a better experience would be to go, Hey, go to like your youth team and go, Hey guys, we want to stream every week on Instagram. How do we do this? Well, um, maybe could you preach the message? Could you do this? I don't know. I mean, I think that there's a couple ways instead of just copy and pasting a, an experience. And this goes back to pre COVID. A lot of people were going online and just saying, let's put a camera in the back and put this thing up on YouTube. And it's like, you might need to move that camera closer. Why is the camera pointing down on you? Like it should be level. And there's a bunch of things and decisions you have to make. And so I'm excited for the church to embrace digital and understand they could proactively go to places. But I, I am, I am still fearful that the investment needs to happen to do things right. And so again, things need to look 
differently. And right now we're being force fed this moment, which I'm really excited about, but also, you know, the question really comes down to when we can at scale meet in person and people really start what, what's, what goes back and, and what never should change. And so I'm really, you know, I, I really believe that online has a huge, it's a huge on-ramp in multiple ways through streaming, through online groups, through online discipleship opportunities. Now I believe strongly that the physical church is going nowhere and it will never go anywhere. I just believe yeah. that this is a huge top of the funnel that can be connected. And I still think that's a thing that, um, you know, it's, it's the classic, it's, it, it was easier for Netflix to become Netflix than for blockbuster to become Netflix type of mentality. Um, because it's just, it's a shift. It's a total organizational shift to kind of think through this. Now I want in, in my, in my example, I want, I want blockbuster and Netflix to coexist <laughs> what I'm pitching. And so like, and I don't know if that's possible. Uh, but I've seen, I know it is possible, but it takes a lot of work because usually the local, infrastructure needs to support the global or the non-geographical infrastructure. Um, that's one of the better ways to kind of think through it. And so I, I'm really, uh, that that's, those are some of the things that kind of get me excited. And, and then really, I, I do think, and I think you hit it on the age thing that I, I do think that some of the most innovation is going to come from people coming out of seminary that have giftings in teaching and realize that, Oh, I can build an audience and then I can build a church. And, and thinking about that, like I can go see if I have the chops to kind of preach and people will listen, you know, and, and I, I'm removing the spiritual from this, of course, at the moment, but like part of the internet is, are you interesting? And, you know, I always think YouTube is like, it's like high school. People will brutally tell you if you're interesting or not by your views. I was just on someone's website and they had a video and I remember it was on like a landing page and I clicked on it because I wanted to know how many other people find this interesting. And it had like 150 views. Now I have a lot of YouTube videos that have 150 views. So I'm <laughs> criticizing myself here, but like that told me it was like, okay, that's not as interesting. Now that's not the only marker, but I think a lot of seminarians are going to come out and go right now. And I've gotten a lot of emails from them, like just start building an audience and then use that to figure out where you're going to plant your churches or churches. And that's actually one of the things that I know people have been doing over the last couple of years, but I think there's a lot of people that have gotten like a, a steroid injection right now and go, wow, I don't need to get a lease. I don't need to buy all this equipment. I could just, again, buy a nice camera off Amazon and do this and watch some of these things and learn how to do this. And then I can do this in, in steps. And I think that's probably where I get, I'm like, I want to help more of those people, to be honest. You know, what's interesting is thinking about, um, you know, going back to our introduction, when I talked about some of the stuff that we kind of have in common, everybody that listens to the podcast knows that I love technology. They probably don't know that, um, I actually enjoy the marketing side of things as well. Mm -hmm. the, the interesting thing though, is if going off of what you just said, it's not about that. It's not bad if it's 150 of the right people. Mm -hmm. so yeah. You could spend not much money at all. And if you were super targeted in the way that you set up, you know, your, your ads for your church, for instance, um, or your church plant, it would be, um, I, I think it's, you would have an amazing return with little investment. Yes. It, you are, here's the weird thing, guys. Um, the more intentional you are and the more, um, focused you are, 
the more effective any campaign that you set up will be. And it's also cheaper typically (laughs) to do it that way, which sounds really backwards, but those two things kind of hold true. Like the more work you put in uh, and the more targeted you get, the better, better your results will be. So well, talk and I, and a little I, bit about, uh, about that from a uh, leveraging, you know, digital to local or global or whatever people want to call it uh, right <laughs> now. How do you, so, so how do you effectively disciple people online? Let's say a decision has been made. Um, what's the difference between doing it when um, they are geographically far and when they are geographically near both. Happen yeah, so, so, so yeah, what happens? Yeah. And, and I wanted to just briefly say that, you know, and, and I love, I totally agree on, you know, it's about getting people that you're best equipped to handle. And so it's not so much about audience size. It's about, you know, a loyal following. Um, and something that I, I do think that a lot of churches experienced the first couple of weeks of having to go digital was they had a couple of weeks of like huge viewerships, at least percentage wise to their church context, uh, mainly because you had two things happen. You had a global pandemic where everybody wanted to see what their religious leader was going to say. So they're most hyped to kind of see your response. And then two weeks later, essentially you had Easter where the most likely people that are unchurched are going to check out your church. And they did that online too. And so, and then what happened was a couple of weeks after that, for at least what I heard, I, I heard from multiple churches of multiple sizes that everybody pretty much got cut in half after that. So you right. had this huge spike and then everybody got cut in half or, or, you know, a little bit more. And what that, what that does is it, it gets them excited, you know, it kind of gets them on the drug and then they have this, this, you know, this drop and they're like, what in the world happened? What's wrong? But mm it goes back to that marketing angle of, well, understand that you had a ton of eyeballs and you need to see that as you reach more people than you, you probably could regularly reach and how cool is it? You could do it online, but don't worry about the the difference between the high and the low worry about who you have now and who are those people. And you got to build from there. So I think that's a really important thing. And and I've talked to a lot of churches, big churches, small churches, medium churches, like, Hey, did you experience this drop too? And I'm like, yeah, we did, but understand like, like, like that's don't, don't get worried about how many people you can reach. Think about who, who you should be reaching and there needs to be more effort around that. Um, and so anyways, I just wanted to say that, um, cause I think it's, it's an important encouragement to pastors cause it's so true on, you know, I would definitely go Google persona and unpack that and figure that stuff out. Um, on the discipleship side of things, uh, you know, for us and every church is a little different, but I, I, we always focus in on like, what's, what's the end in mind, what's at the end of the yellow brick road, you know? Um, and for us, we still believe that we want people to be in physical community. So much, much of what we do online, really all of what we do online is moving watchers into community or online to offline. And there are kind of two, there's a couple ways we do that. Um, obviously through our worship service, you know, we are trying to get people to respond. You know, most of my job is I I don't worry about the music. I don't worry about the teaching. Really. It's about how can we make people respond more? And a lot of that effort has to come around centralizing that response. Instead of talking about 10 things, like 10 ways to respond, just do one or two. So you'd be very clear. Um, you know, I think about a lot of people do salvation calls, but then they never do anything for the members or the watchers that have been watching forever. So it's like, Think about how did those, 
how do both groups, new people and those who are already connected, respond to your message so that you can take them to the next step. So it's always about making YouTube, Facebook, our website, our TV apps. How do we get those people to pull out their phones or open up their iPad and somehow message us? And then from there, it's about determining the next step. I would say 70% of it is prayer requests or general questions. The rest of it maybe are some commitment they made from that weekend service. And it's always around addressing the the request or the question and then asking a follow-up where it's, Hey, where are you located at? Are you connected to a church? And then that determines how we respond. And we either connect them to our local campus in the area or location. We connect them to a partner church. Um, and then if there's nothing, then we actually help them start a group in their area. And then in tandem, we have a strategy where they can actually, if they're not ready to do that, where they're not ready to go in person for whatever reason, maybe they're in a different season of life, a sickness issue or a, a security issue. We allow them to engage with us solely online for a period of time where they can actually take, we have classes that they can take online, like our membership class. Um, we use a platform right now called Thinkific to kind of host that. Um, you can join our Facebook group where you connect with other people where it's more of a peer to peer kind of space. Um, and then you can join an online group. And so, and then, but there's always this underlining strategy, underlining strategy where we're trying to move you to something long-term. And so actually our church is always trying to, to innovate and trying to, you know, maybe plant churches in new ways through some of this stuff. And so like something I'm doing actually with my team in partnership with our house churching team, our house church planting team is we're doing meetups and like um, over zoom where we've picked 11 potential areas that have groups of, of people in our community. And we're going to do like, Hey, if you're in Phoenix, San Jose, like we're come to this meetup on zoom. And the idea is that we're going to try to connect those people, maybe identify a leader. I mean, these are all the, I mean, I, I could tell you like a bunch of stuff that we've tried and we are trying to kind of connect, but most of my job is I'm trying to connect people to other people in their area. And it's either one of our locations, a partner church, or it's people with our online community. But at a high level, that's how we think about it. And that's what we're always trying to make that experience better, you know, because the new platforms, the tools that existed eight years ago, or even two years ago are totally different today. You know, I think about how better zoom is, you know, when we started online groups back in 2010, we were using a platform called Talkbox. It's nothing like zoom. I could tell you that, um, <laughs> way better than Skype. Uh, but it's just so cool what we're doing, but you know, and fighting the counter, you know, people are kind of fatigued with zoom. So what does that look like when we're trying to connect people? Um, so th- those are all the things we, that's how we think about it, at least at a high level. Yeah, I think, your distinction of moving people online to offline. And you said, Hey, that's my goal as the online campus pastor. And, you know, just even as you were talking through that spike that a lot of churches saw right at the beginning of uh, this whole thing with Easter. And it's like, man, the numbers are so high. We have more, we're engaging more people than we ever have before, which is great. But, you know, I think what you just hit on is what is the win of online church? Is Mm -hmm. it for somebody just to watch and to engage with us on a platform, or is it to actually move them from online to offline to, to streaming something to being in community? So can you kind of walk through, I mean, a lot of, a lot of these churches, including mine is, is kind of new to the game of online church. What are, what are the goals and metrics that churches should have to say, this was an effective Sunday. Maybe, maybe it's not, maybe it's not the numbers streamed. Maybe it is moving people from online to offline into groups. So can you kind of share what you guys view that as? Yeah. Yeah. I I would start at a high level, um, you know, definitely views and, and that doesn't represent attendance, but it represents 
potential. Um, and so it's, the, it's the idea is like how many views. So really I would, I would create a Google sheet or use your dashboard of whatever, you know, CRM or whatever tool you're using. And I would actually look at over a course of seven days, how many people viewed this on Facebook, how many people viewed this on YouTube and how many viewed it on your website and TV app or whatever, and just kind of document that, like have somebody on your team, a volunteer, a staff, just run those numbers. Even I was just a church sent me a, a actually a, a dashboard, a, a larger church in our area, some of their metrics, and you could just make judgments. You go, wow, your YouTube channels, like your biggest or wow, you have a very faithful amount of people that go to your website. I, I think a lot of people underestimate the value of having a streaming experience on your website. That's very clear. Um, because like YouTube and Facebook are great, but it's a very distractive platform for long-term engagement. And so that's something, again, I'm not saying don't do it, but it, it's a both end strategy. And I understand what's great about Facebook and, and YouTube is that it's free. And so you, you, those are things there that you should leverage, but like, Having a website experience is super valuable to have long-term engagement. Retention is like Facebook retention on a sermon on, on a Facebook stream is going to be probably, if you look at a 30 minute metric on generally it's going to be less than 1% actually watch 30 minutes on YouTube. It's probably going to be around the 35% or 30% on your website. It's probably going to be in the 75%. Um, so again, that, I mean, this is just looking at broad numbers. It's just, and the same thing with, with TV apps. If people watch something on an Apple TV or Roku or Amazon Fire, it's going to be probably in the 90% because people can set it and kind of forget it. Where on Facebook and YouTube, if I want to do something else on Facebook or YouTube, my natural in inclination is to just click on it, not to open up a new tab. Um, on a website, you kind of know, oh, I'll just leave this. And so those are just small little things. But I would actually just look at the views every week, like how many views in a seven day window. And then second, I would try to get a engagement of like 10 minute retention. So at the same time, try to figure out, can you get like how many people not just viewed it, but actually watched at least 10 minutes and look at that loss, I think. And it's going to be a loss. That's okay. Again, Facebook is tremendous for exposure. I think people need to understand it's, 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 digitized our friendships and you go to Facebook to waste time in school. You don't go there to really do something. And so people go there to just kind of scroll and that's okay, but you have the opportunity to interrupt their day, which is tremendous, uh, a gift uh, that we should steward well. Um, and so I would look at views retention, and then I would look at next steps in a given sermon. So actually figure out the correlation between great. We had 20,000 views, but if I look at how many people text us, message us, email us, filled out a form, you know, we only had 50 and kind of really think through that loss going back to, it's about how many people move through your, your discipleship pathway, your funnel, whatever your flywheel, whatever you want to call it. But look at that. Great. We had 20,000 views, but, uh, why did only 50 people respond? And that's something that I've been doing for about six, seven years. I look at how many people watch and I look at how many people took next steps. And sometimes we do have, um, we'll have, we'll have 40,000 views or 50,000 views. And then only 120 people responded. And I think about that. I think about, Oh, you know what? We had a guest speaker and he didn't really do this. Or, you know what? When the preacher did this, he didn't, he didn't tell people online how to do it. And those are the things you start thinking through. How do you make that more engaging? It's not just about, you know, it's, it's not just about information, but it's about transformation. And the way you as a pastor facilitate that is you walk the road with them, which needs to have a conversation, which usually means you need to move it from a public type of format to a private. And so I, I think at a high level, I would think through views, retention, 
a 10 minute retention and the next steps. And the next steps is going to be an aggregate of multiple channels. But I would just have somebody run that report and try to see if you can get historically, because once you do it for like six, eight weeks in a row, you're going to start to see trends. And it's funny. I can, I can watch a sermon now or watch a service online. I can go, well, we're not going to have that many, um, we're not going to have that many response cards because of this. Um, or even adding, even as simple as our pastor started talking about the text number and he did this really big lower thirds text number. And it wasn't a lot heavy text. It's just, it said text, uh, you know, it text this here and our engagement went up. And so we know I could tell you like that was up by 50% than the couple weeks, but those are only things you can get or kind of learn from if you're looking at it regularly. And God, we trust everyone else must bring data. <laughs> so remember that when you, okay, so talk to us just a little bit. Um, cause I'll, I'll, uh, encourage people not to look at vanity metrics. What are some vanity things that people were got really hyped about those first three weeks? And it, it yeah, we're just, a, they weren't a reflection of reality. Well, I, obviously the obvious one is the, the Facebook reach and YouTube impressions numbers. Um, and I, I just think so many people started, I, I had churches of, you know, substantially smaller reporting numbers that were drastically bigger than my church. And I, and I was like, what are you reporting? Um, and really it's those, some of the, again, one of the pros of these platforms is that they're free and they just give us all this data. The negative is there's no control on that, on how people report that data. And so I, I think people need to understand that uh, like Facebook reach just shows how many people could, would have been impacted or you, you can reach, but it doesn't represent how many people actually engaged. And so I think those right. are, and the same thing with, with YouTube impressions. The other thing is a lot of churches, and I, I just think it, it's not a bad number to know, but a lot of churches were timesing their numbers by a percentage. They, they were saying like, well, we know people watching online are probably watching with other people. And they were just timesing it by like 1.7 or something and all uh, churches do all sorts. And they're doing that because they're trying to get to the same thing before they're trying to correlate it to their in-person. But right. I don't think the time really numbers, the only value of numbers is historically consistently reporting and measuring the same things. And so right. really it's, if you're going to times it, you got to forever times it. And then what's the, what's the reason for timesing it? I mean, it just, it's again, not bad to, to do in your head, for sure, you know, more people are watching, but just do that. The other thing is geography. I, I, I think a lot of churches, you know, the, the struggle with online is that you can reach everybody. This, but this, the really, the focus of online is you should reach the people you're called to reach. And seeing the geography of where people are watching from and tuning in, I think can really distract most churches of where you should focus. And so I think most churches really need to zero in, not on a global church, but focus in on how to do digital right locally in your area. And then maybe phase three, four, five, you can launch a global in initiative. And so I, I think geography people are like, wow, people are watching from India and Saudi Arabia and Australia. And they're like reporting this. And again, kudos, I get that. Uh, but don't distract from your primary mission. And this is why I do think it's the, you know, I, I like to use it as an example of like, you know, a lot of churches are trying to integrate digital into their strategy at a higher level. And it's kind of like mixing up a, a powdered uh, drink. Uh, if you've ever put powder in and then you put the water in, it doesn't really mix as well. 
but really to do it well, you need to like, you need to have a shaker or a tumbler where you can like really shake it violently. Um, and that happens with digital. A lot of people are trying to layer digital on top of an existing strategy. And really you need to kind of relook at your vision and integrate it at the core. Um, and because I do think you're going to get distracted very quick because there's so many numbers, so many things, and you could tell stories in so different, so many different, you know, perspectives and you need to stay on point on what your church is called to do. And for most churches, that's to focus on local. And then I would say zero in on non-local down the road after you know how to assimilate somebody from a watcher. I mean, really there's two primary ways it's online is a great first contact for people in your local community and figure out how to connect them from a watcher to an attender. And then it's a great companion experience as a tool for people that are members of your church. So instead of streaming that event, it's in an app or in the website and figure out what does that look like long-term and then think about maybe launching a campus where it's non-local. Very practical advice right there. Um, so let, let's end with this last question. Going to kind of combine two for you guys at Saddleback, and especially you kind of overseeing the online experience right now. What are what are some of the biggest challenges that you all are facing, and how are you overcoming those challenges? I, I think the biggest challenge for us, because we're multi-site, is where should I be positioned, and what's my value to the campuses, and just what's the value of digital overall. And this is something we've always had a high priority. You know, I, I, I usually would tell other online pastors before they started in their role, I would always say that you need to, you need to overemphasize the importance of in-person because ultimately your title looks like you don't value in-person. So, so make sure you prioritize in-person because I know you do, but just and build relationships with, with campuses or, or your main location. And I think what we're trying to figure out is, um, especially with a church like mine, that's big and does all sorts of things is, you know, how does digital and online specifically the online campus fit within? And I think what we're trying to do is we're trying to do a couple things where we've had a lot of big conversations as, as a church about just honest conversations, what, what's working, what's not in this season and what's, what's, what's forever change or what's going to go back or, or what, what's never going to go back. Um, and then having a lot of conversations with different teams, like where are the, you know, the, the solid lines and the dotted lines with digital? Um, because really like, you know, I, I was with, with, with one of my elders and I pitched an idea and I, I am a, I'm an idea person. So I pitch a hundred ideas all the time. And uh, I pitched an idea on, on an organization structure of how online could help. And this is actually pre COVID. And my elder actually jokingly said, he's like, Jay, from that structure, you are the senior pastor of Saddleback. And I was like, Oh, I didn't mean that. I was, that's not what I, <laughs> I, I didn't mean that at all. Uh, but, but the thought is it's like, it's, it's because every team needs to be online and I, I'm not over every team that doesn't make any sense. So how do I help our discipleship team think about a digital strategy? Uh, what does it look like for our small groups team to have an online strategy? And I think for us, it's, it's having a lot of think tank type of conversations where we're just super honest. And really it's, it's we're doing a lot of listening, a lot of honest conversations about that. And we're trying to almost like a shark tank pitch as many ideas as we can. And that's what I love about my church is that we're, it's all always about, you know, if it works, we're going to do it. But I, I, I'm still like, that's the big question that I want to, I want to do that. Right. Um, Cause I know I've been asked by other churches, like where are you fitting within the organization? And I, I think, I'm in a moment that I'm probably going to 
be shifted a bit, you know, like, I, you know, I, I think there's a place for, for me to be connected to a central team and not be a campus and help other campuses figure out digital and help come alongside. And maybe, maybe since our end of, you know, the yellow brick road is in person, maybe the online campus isn't the online campus as it is, but maybe really it's, it's where we are attached to all these other teams and we help them. And then instead of having a campus that's thinking about online, the campus is either your local or your non-local and the non-local is our house church team. Again, these are big questions. I'm, I'm just, again, I'm even spitting out ideas here, but I think this is what we're thinking through. So a lot of it is listening and just having open dialogue at the moment. That's so good. Well, folks, that's Jay Cranda, founding father of online <laughs> drinker of cold coffee, uh, failed YouTuber. Um, <laughs> I know. Uh, see, I, I encourage you because it is the, it's just about the right 150 people that watch. It's not for everybody. If 150 church leaders go and watch your stuff or um, go to jcranda.com and it changes their church for the better, it changes that online experience for the better, then dude, it was, it's all, it's all worth it. And that's a huge, that's a huge ad. Um, so listeners, uh, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation today. Um, we're just grateful to have you here. If there's conversations that you want us to have, if there's elements that of church that you think have shifted and, and you want to us to cover it and we haven't covered it yet, uh, then hit us up on Twitter. You can do that at, at Todd Atkins. Um, you can do that at uh, Five Leadership Questions. Also has a, a Twitter. Um, Jay, of course, has Twitter, so he'd be happy to respond to you there as well. Um, so thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast and you're still here and you still haven't done it, please hop on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review. Thanks for listening. See ya.